David X, what is going on? Oh, uh, it, it, to me, it seems like the summer is like blowing by already. Like we're, we're uh, at the time we're recording this, we're coming up uh, next week. It'll be Memorial Day, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, way too soon. Um, I don't know what happened to spring, but uh, yep. Uh, all the wildflowers are slowly dying in the heat of the Texas sun, and that is the traditional signal that it is. Uh, we've transitioned into summer. Yep. Yeah, and it it stops snowing in Ohio, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, spring is over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Well, what's new with you? What's new? Ah, no, it's just uh, crazy travel. I'll be in West Virginia and Boston over the next three days. Um, why not? Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, just just uh, get ready to do that. How about you? What's what's new with you? So, uh, Soren and I had an opportunity to attend a birthday party at, uh, one of these, uh, like gymnasium, uh, joints, mm-hmm. one of these like commercial gyms, you know, mm-hmm. um, like so, you could do gymnastics classes and kids could do that or you got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so like right before the birthday party, there was like a whole bunch of cheerleader tryouts for something. And anyway, lots of different things going on in different arenas, but, uh, we were of course these four. So we were back in the like kids area. Uh, and they had maybe the coolest, uh, facility that I'd ever seen. Uh, and this is, if you can imagine, say half an Olympic swimming pool filled entirely with one foot square foam bricks. Hmm. And, uh, there was a trampoline right next to it. Uh, and someone had taken, uh, like a horse and put it up next to it like a short horse uh, next mm-hmm. to it, a pommel horse, I guess you call it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, the kids were using that as a diving board uh, mm-hmm. to jump in. And so it was exactly like a pool. Like you jumped in, and if you jumped in feet first, you were up to your neck in foam. <laughs> and, wow. Uh, yeah. It was. It looked like a lot of fun. Um, and I was busy supervising my child, uh, but still regret not actually jumping in myself because that looked like a blast. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask if if you uh, did that. So yeah, you'll have to have your birthday party there or something. I exactly. Uh, well, someone was telling me that they actually rent the place out at night for adults, uh, and they got like a like a BYOB situation. So <laughs> I may I may right. ex- I may explore yeah. that. <laughs> well, right. And then they, what do, what do they do with the foam things if they're like beer soaked or whatever? And yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, that was a uh, that was super fun, and he had a blast. So yeah, if you have an opportunity to jump into a, a pit full of foam squares, uh, definitely do that. Don't yeah. don't lo- don't live with your regret. Yeah, yeah. nice. Um, oh, also, uh, I got a, I got a pro tip for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dave, you know you're on a say you're in a getting connected to the hotel Wi-Fi, right? Yep. And it's yep. a captive captive portal, right? And so you yep. need to get to the login screen or the put in the code or or whatever to get to the to get the Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And uh good uh for good reasons, uh most of the web is now moving towards TLS, right? So you got to put mm-hmm. HTTPS in front and yada yada yada. Well, because it's TLS and because TLS works, uh the captive portals don't work. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh it just says, "Nope, sorry, can't connect to it." And uh, or, you know, someone's trying to hijack your connection or, or whatever. Well, uh, what we are all in desperate need of is a website that will never be secure because yes. we need a way of triggering those captive portals. And yes. uh, s- some gentleman uh, who, is, as far as I'm concerned, should get the National Medal of Honor 
uh, has registered the domain neverssl.com. And he, and it's a simple static web page that just basically explains what it is, which is the only purpose of this domain is to never be secured. No HSTS, no TLS, no SSL. It will always be plain text. And so you will always be able to trigger your uh, captive portal. So that is now mm-hmm. my homepage is neverssl.com. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Don't tell Dan he'll change his uh, homepage to, uh, <laughs> that's to this. Right. So, yeah, that's yeah. right. From the DG show. Right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, Mel. Well, well, what are we talking about today? Yeah. So we're going to be, uh, it's all about improvements. Um, so the, the summer here that we could think about ways to improve. So uh, we're going to improve our AI with uh, improv. Mm-hmm. We're going to improve the internet with uh, the air travel experience. Mm-hmm. or not. Um, we're going to improve fraud with spacesuits and we're going to improve online dating with the uh, gig economy. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we're also going to be uh, improving the traceability and provenance of your code snippets uh, mm. on Stack Exchange. Right. Right. That'll be fun. That will be fun. All right. Uh, so if, uh, if folks want links uh, to, uh, uh, to our new favorite homepage, NeverSSL.com, uh, what website should they go visit? Yep, they want to go to dgshow.org, so D's and Dave, G's and Gunner, show.org. Strong. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, man, the cutting room floor, I don't, usually we have a theme. We don't have a theme this week. Yes. I, can't, I can't really do that. The theme one. is no theme. The theme, the theme is no theme. I, uh, my favorite link on here is the, uh, is the kid uh, who can solve three Rubik's Cubes while juggling them. That's amazing. It is amazing. And then... Uh, yeah, there's a couple other ones that we had, uh, a cat per emulator. So if you don't have a cat, just emulate one with uh, HTML5. Um, so, And then if you ever wanted to print a square kilometer of black toner, uh, now's your chance. we got a PDF just for you. <laughs> and then um, there is uh, another uh, article about uh, what happens when you stick a crocodile in an MRI machine and, and the fun results that you could have with it. Nice, nice. Uh, I like the uh, the score kilometer of black toner. It makes me think of like Sherwin Williams, <laughs> like, like print print the earth, right? Was it? Yes. It? Yeah, yeah. Cover the yeah. earth. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kent State. Yes. So uh, yeah, Kent State is by my house. Uh, this regional campus, uh, Tuscaloras, is uh, not next to my house directly, but. Um, but there's a wrestler there. He's on the wrestling team. Uh, his name is Zion Clark, and he was actually born without legs. And uh, so going back to our recent episode on diversity and inclusion, this was like a super awesome article. Everybody should check it out where um, this guy, uh, I guess there were some kids in a local elementary school here in Cuyahoga Falls, uh, wrote to him and um uh, they, uh, he said that it nearly moved him to tears, uh, where in those letters, the children were talking about their own struggles with school and being different. Um, and like some of the kids were, they have parents that were refugees from, uh, Bhutan and Syria. And so they're trying to learn, uh, to live in a new place and being different and everything. So he came out to the school, um, to, uh, talk to the kids and did, did all that. Um, but it was just amazing. Like this guy is just so like his, chest and arms are just so muscular and just easily totally ripped and 
there's a video of him wrestling some uh, poor guy. Um, and it was just amazing. <laughs> like, just like he just like flew across the, 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 the wrestling mat and took this guy down and everything is something else. And he's training to be in the, uh, I think the 2020 Paralympics. So, um, if you want to real pick me up to learn about, uh, this, uh, Zion Clark, uh, check it out. He uh, seems like a really nice guy. Oh, that sounds great. That sounds great. It's nice to have a heartwarming material for a change. Uh, yes. That's great. Um, yeah. well, so speaking of heartwarming, yes. um, apparently the Google assistant engineering team has an awful lot of time on its hands. Yeah. So, well, with your Google assistant, mm-hmm. um, have you ever asked anything like off the wall? Uh, no, you, it, until I, until I read this link, uh, no, I, I hadn't, I hadn't really been, uh, I'm not particularly playful with it. I'm very serious with the, with, the, with with the device. Like yeah. I'm usually like giving it curt orders. Um, you don't uh, say thank you. Yeah. And I never say please. And I never say thank you. Um, yeah. Which is, a yeah. So this is something to try. Um, like, so w- you want to ask, uh, uh, the Google assistant, uh, did you fart? Hmm. Okay. Hold on a second. Hey Google, did you fart? <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that. It says, you can blame me if you want. I don't mind. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. So there you go. And, and so the, um, the, uh, the, uh, let's see the, the designer, uh, was, was talking about going through, um, like this particular fart question of, of like how, um, you know, uh, along the lines of, uh, of course I didn't fart. I don't have a body. Um, but then it turns out it's that they're saying it's not a particularly satisfying answer. And then they went back to the rules of improv where, um, and, and you've, you've actually done this, right? Where you've taken improv classes. I have. Yeah. 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 That's right. And, yeah, so, the, and, and so the cardinal rule is yes. I always say, never say no. Cause that stops the action. You got to say yes. And, and then you take it in that particular direction. Right. Exactly. And, and that's what, uh, the Google people have, have, uh, are training it to do. So feel free to try that out. And, and so I want, you know, like, like, uh, you were getting at, it's like, it, it would have been neat to be in that meeting of like, how, you know, how are they going to plan this? And, you know, um, you know, the product design people and everything of, of like, uh, uh, how to do this. But, and then the other thing is that I've like, I found too, like on my Android phone, like if you do like the Google search bar, like on the phone and then you hit the microphone, it's mm-hmm. like not really Google assistant. It it's more like a voice search. Um, but if you actually run Google assistant, it it's it will do that and you ask it and it will um give you the the answer so like if like on the first one like if i i click the microphone on the google search bar it gave me like the wikipedia article for farting or something <laughs> um which was no help at all um so anyhow it's and and so you know and it's like i tried it a couple times and then i'm just wondering it's like now what is google thinking about me in terms of my search history and what i'm asking for um, and is that going to skew um, my ad experience? I don't know. <laughs> this guy's awfully interested in farting. What's going on with this guy? Yeah, we need uh, whoopee cushion ads. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like the, the the part I like about this uh, about the story is uh, the thoughtfulness that they bring to. First of all, the thoughtfulness they bring to the to the design of the product, right? Um, <laughs> And and how people are going to be interacting with it, and kind of what people's expectations are when they ask something like this, right? Um, and also, I, I, su- I suspect that they learned something about how the product should work 
um, by going through this kind of like playful exercise, right? So like superficially meaningless and kind of frivolous. Um, but I, like I say, like I expect they probably got a little bit of insight on how people want to be working with their product as a result mm-hmm. of this, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and also I think the this is outside the box of the traditional computer science curriculum as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, in terms of like improv and and so you think about like the liberal arts degree where you're well rounded in a lot of different things. This this actually has applicability where you know nowadays people are looking at like psychology and mm-hmm. um, hostage negotiation and all, all kind of things like that uh, beyond just the bits and bytes in the programming part of it. That's right. We live in a multidisciplinary world. Yep. That is very true. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and a, a liberal arts education would prevent you from doing things like uh, making ridiculous comparisons, uh, like uh, like say comparing TSA PreCheck to uh, to net neutrality, right? Right. Well, yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. And and so um, so I guess what you're saying is that uh, U.S. Uh, Representative Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee did not go to a liberal arts school. I, I'm, I'm going to wager, theory? or if she did, she didn't pay attention. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's my guess. Yeah, yeah. So, so here's the part of the show where we get Gunnar all upset, and and we all get to, <laughs> and I get to be the provocateur here. Um, and and so yeah, you see the see the vein popping out of your forehead or whatever. So, um, yeah. So she was saying that uh, you know talking about uh, well in real life, there's all kinds of interactions that are prioritized every day. When she was talking about. Um, in the the subcommittee on paid prioritization for net neutrality of having you know fast lanes for some people and uh, non fast lanes for other people based upon how much you pay uh, and how much people pay. So she said uh, in 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 this is that in real life all sorts of interactions are prioritized every day. Many of you sitting in this room uh, right now are a paid line sitter to get priority access to this hearing. In fact, it's commonplace for the government itself to offer priority access to services. If you ever use uh, priority mail, you know this to be the case. And what about TSA PreCheck? It might have saved you some time as you traveled here today. So if you define uh, pay prioritization as simply the act of paying to get your own content in front of the consumer faster, prioritized ads or sponsored content are the basis of many of the business models online. And uh, as many of our members pointed out uh, at the Facebook hearing last week. So I'll pause here and, and see if you have any thoughts regarding this analogy. Yes, I do. Okay. Um, all right. Here we go. So she is, of course, wrong. Uh, and, and the reason I feel that she is wrong um, is because uh, so tools like Priority Mail and uh, tools like TSA PreCheck, uh, you pay, her argument is you, know, you pay additional money, and so you get additional or improved services. Um, another uh, comparison you hear is like for a toll road, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And in that case, you are managing how to allocate a resource uh, and you're going to offer the resource to the highest bidder, which makes, if you're an economist, I guess makes like crude sense, right? It's just, you know, pricing is a signal of the market and all the rest of it. Um, if something is scarce, it's going to get more valuable uh, and so on. You get the idea. Um, however, this kind of elides the whole point, um, which is that in uh, in these networks, we are not trying to manage the scarcity of the resource. Uh, in fact, we, as I recall, we have a glut of bandwidth, right? There's plenty mm-hmm. of dark fiber in the world. So we are not trying to throttle people's, uh, we're not trying to throttle people's access. Um, we are trying to ensure that everyone has an equal chance at being successful, 
right? Um, and by creating a, a, a category of consumers who are going to get a better service for more money and another category of uh, consumers for less money, that's, that's also not the case. The other, the other difference here is that we're not talking about the consumer end of the transaction. We're talking about the provider end of the transaction where the, where mm -hmm. the neutrality rights are. Um, and then, uh, um, and then my, my, my third and final, final thought is actually to refer folks to a really excellent episode of, uh, the IQ debates. Are you familiar with this mm -mm. podcast? Okay. So there is a, uh, it's been around for a few years now. Um, and I don't remember who actually sponsors it, but I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, it's called intelligence squared. Um, and you'll, you can hear it on your local NPR affiliate. They also have, a, uh, it's also done as a podcast. Um, and it is. Uh, a team of experts uh, arguing for or against a particular proposition, you know, like in a regular for real, like high school debate. Um, and they recently had an episode on net neutrality, which was very interesting, even for somebody who's been paying attention to this for years. Um, mm -hmm. I learned a lot in the debate. Um, and in mm. fact, uh, this point in particular, I think they spent about 15 minutes on how problematic this comparison is. Um, so uh, without getting ahead of my skis, uh, I'm just going to refer folks to that debate <laughs> because um, if this topic is interesting to you at all, uh, you should definitely go listen to that debate. It was definitely worthwhile. Okay. Nice. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and then I guess there was another senator argued last year that net neutrality rules give pornography and illegal content the same level of network access as remote medical services. Yep. Yep, sure does. No problem with that at all. Yes. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's life in the big city. That's, you can't. Like, uh, yeah, you can't, um, you know, pave the roads to the places, you know, that you don't want to go to or, or, you know, from a moral decision standpoint, I guess. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, well, so, and, and so the, and so if you back, what I walked away from after I listened to the whole debate and, you know, reading articles like this, what I keep coming back to is, um, the net neutrality rules are in place and, or the net neutrality rules being in place, um, nothing was actually broken, and the only people who seemed upset about the rules being in place were the people who stand to make a great deal of money by those rules not being there anymore. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, uh, so part of my attitude on this is, like, if it isn't broken, like, let's not try to fix it. Um, yes. And I also don't care for how the telecommunications industry has been advocating for the repeal of, of net neutrality. Um, and in doing so, they're simultaneously arguing like, well, we need to experiment with new and innovative business models. Um, and you know, yada, 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 we need to encourage innovation in the telecommunication provider space, kind of ellipsis, ellipsis, question mark, question mark. I have no idea what that might mean, but they say that they need these rules repealed in order to be innovative. Um, and at the same time they say, well, when the net neutrality rules weren't in place, we didn't actually actively try to screw you. So you have nothing to worry about. Like, well, hold on. Like right. they, those, the, like you can't, neither of those things can be, we can't have both of these things true at the same time. Like if you want this, if you want the rule repealed, it's because you want to do it. Right. <laughs> it's a, mm -hmm. it just kind of stands to reason. Um, so don't tell me that you need the rule repealed and then that you're not going to do anything about it. Um, it's, you wouldn't have spent all that money. You wouldn't have spent all that money. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. So I think I think the uh, the argument is uh, is just dishonest. I think on its face, um, and and that should immediately make people suspicious of uh, of their motives. And um, yeah, I mean the uh, the other way of looking at this is like, do we actually need innovations in business models? Like, do we have uh, like is there a 
is there an internet penetration problem? Like, I don't, I don't, maybe from my privileged position, like I'm not perceiving an internet, pen, internet penetration problem. Like I, I, I feel like internet use is in the United States is it's not South Korea good, but it's like, it's, it's quite good. Um, and, uh, anyway, I'm not sure what problem we're solving here basically. Yeah. Well, I would argue though that like rural broadband is pretty bad and you know, mm -hmm. it's that last mile where it's not cost effective to have, uh, you know, to run fiber out to like some farm or something, uh, where, right. where the, the population of the, uh, the, the density of the population is, is not cost effective. And, right. um, but I don't but see I any think reason. There are other ways to solve that. There are other yeah. ways to solve it. And also I don't see any reason why net neutrality would solve that problem or the, the repeal of net neutrality would solve that problem. Um, like right. all the physics around running fiber out to rural areas, like all that, that problem still exists. Um, yes. so I, yeah, I don't get it. Um, again, because net neutrality is concerned with the provider end of this or the, it's the conflation of the provider end of the problem and the consumer end of the problem that makes this debate way more complicated than it needs to be. Um, yes. yeah. Anyway, uh, speaking of charlatans. Yes. And suspicious people. Right. <laughs> yeah. So if you ever, um, yeah, if you if you ever saw uh, uh, two people in uh, spacesuits, uh, fake spacesuits, uh, mm -hmm. trying to sell you uh, uh, some uh, uh, a device that could be used to generate electricity from thunderbolts, um, <laughs> watch out for these guys. It's so good. I just got a. Uh, I'm staring at this photo of these two guys in these ridiculous radiation suits, uh, and I just. I, I'm just impressed. Like, I just got to admire their hustle. <laughs> yeah. They got 200 K out of one guy. So, you know, and it, and, and it, like, you look at this picture and it looks like, like if the state puff marshmallow man, uh, mascot was like, if there was a, a state puff Jiffy pop mascot, I mean, <laughs> it, it looks like a Jiffy pop sort of outfit. Um, yes. so yeah. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, yeah. No, so what were they promising though? They were like they were collecting investors mm -hmm. to what? Re yeah, generate electricity from thunderbolts. Yep. I, again, yep. the need Not for a liberal arts education can't be overemphasized. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, when they were going to sell this technology to what? To to NASA and the and the Indian in, Space, Agency. Space Agency, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, and <laughs> and this is your chance to get in on the ground floor of this. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I guess they employed some actors to wear radiation suits and stage fake tests. And uh, they said that they needed more investment to develop the invention some more. And uh, and I guess they conned money out of up to thirty people across northern India. And uh, there's one New Delhi businessman uh, became suspicious when promised experiments repeatedly uh, when he was promised experiments and they were repeatedly called off mainly because of bad weather. And then he went to police and acknowledged <laughs> that he handed over $200,000. Like, oh, oh yeah, no, we, we, we can't do the Thunderbolt experiment right now. The weather's too, <laughs> it's raining. It's yeah. raining. <laughs> uh, good for them. Good for them. Yeah. That's yeah. great. That's great. Um, all right. Uh, so, Dave, you saw the, I mean, there was plenty of coverage about this, but uh, people were really creeped out by the uh, Google Assistant calling for the uh, for the hairdresser's appointment. Did you see the, this video? I, 
I need to catch up on that. And and I've heard I've heard uh, I've seen some articles about it. But yeah, tell us about that. So uh, what they were showing was uh, you you'd be able to tell the machine um, go make me a uh, go make me a haircutting appointment. And of course, Google knows your calendar and it knows the phone number of this place. And Google knows how to make robots talk. So uh, Google calls the Google Assistant will call the hairdressing place on your behalf and ask for an appointment and confirm it with them and then record it in your calendar. That sounds mm-hmm. awesome. That sounds mm-hmm. excellent. I right, sign me up. It sounds great. It's reason, like Jetsons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the reason why this was problematic is problematic is because the voice was engineered to be extremely human uh, with like filler words. So mm-hmm. using words like, um, so the way that Google called the hairdresser was like, um, hi, I would like to make an appointment for uh, three o'clock on Tuesday. Are you available? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. like, and so it sounded to the hairdressing joint like it was an actual human calling. Um, so this uh, 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 this actually hit the um, the uncanny valley kind of problem mm-hmm. of voice wise, and people were revolted by it. Um, mm. Just like it was creeped about completely. Um, and it was because a robot was calling, but the robot could not be identified as a robot. Yes. Um, yeah. If they would have said, hey, this is Google voice calling on behalf of blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah probably fine. Um, but uh, the fact that it didn't identify itself and all those other things triggered, like, rightfully made everyone extremely anxious um, because mm-hmm. I don't think anybody has been able, I haven't read anything like hypothesizing exactly how this could be abused, but this seems like exactly the kind of thing that we invent and then later regret. Right. Yes. Um, and so uh, now there's there's even talk of like legislation requiring robots to identify themselves when they call people and stuff like that, which, uh, frankly, mm. I can kind of get behind. Like I did that 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 makes intuitive sense to me and doesn't seem too odious a requirement um, and could avoid a lot of uh, kind of unexpected problems. Um, mm. And so this is the, and so this is being placed in the context of, you know, the broader conversation around, you know, the weaponization of Facebook and, you know, uh, how out of touch Silicon Valley is, you know, they kind of, they, Google had this new shiny thing that they invented and they're rightfully proud of it. And they show it off to everyone. And, and, uh, now everybody's like, Hey, wait a minute. Like, I'm not sure we should have invented that. Like, that seems, uh, like that seems like this is actually going to create more problems than it solves. Um, yeah. And so anyway, so that's what I was thinking of when I saw this, uh, when I saw this next news item. Okay, well, before we get to this, um, I guess two things. One is that I can imagine the Black Mirror episode of the the assistant calling uh, like a hair salon, and then the hair salon an- being answered by an, uh, their assistant. <laughs> yes, right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. And then at what at what point do they like negotiate and like a modem, and then all of a sudden they just start talking like. Uh, you know, like, uh, like, like modem speak back and forth and everything that yeah. it's like, Oh, you speak English. Oh, you're a bot. You yeah. Know? And, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also the, there's, uh, I saw some things too, where like it, it also violates the law where it records the conversations and they weren't telling people that the call was being recorded. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And then I could also imagine, this falling into the wrong hands and like you're getting spam now imagine getting um telemarketer robot telemarketers calling you and you know getting you to switch your long distance or or whatever Mm -hmm. um or buy insurance or something um 
and that that has to be crazy. And then I guess what you need to do is have your assistant do the call screening. Right. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and actually, you just made me think of a you just made me think of a very real threat, which is we uh, a few episodes back we talked about um, the uh, Photoshop for voices. Yes. Uh, and so now uh, this robot using the the soothing, uh, pleasant and attractive Google voice, uh, Google assistant voice. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what if it was programmed to be me? Yes. Uh, what if it then called my mom? Yes. And mom, you really need to change your long distance. <laughs> or worse, yeah. right? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, right. Yeah. You could see, oh, once the identity, be, well, and, and, okay, now, now we're going to full black mirror mode. Um, okay. First twist is, uh, it's my voice calling my mother, but, uh, it's actually being operated by a bot. Um, uh, second level is, um, that happens often enough that people no longer trust people's voices on the phone. And then what happens, right? Cause they're right. Cause now if, if somebody calls from my number and, and it sounds like me, they assume that it's me. Um, but yes. what if that assumption goes away? Uh, what yeah, if I, had I to... mean, that's, that's yeah, because there is no authentication like your the, 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 your voice itself, people would recognize that as you, right. um, yes. Yeah. So now it's no, now I call my mom and I have to authenticate myself and say, hi mom, it's Gunnar, Charlie Sierra Alpha. <laughs> right. Gonna... Right. <laughs> she has a one-time password. Or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, no, that's no good. That's no good. Yes. So the whole thing, I guess, is that if. I guess I guess our official uh, Dave and Gunner show policy then is that if you're if you're going to have an impersonator, it cannot be a robot. It has to be a human impersonator. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Only Rich Little will yeah. be making my phone calls from now on. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. But anyhow, about this article um, that I saw is that uh, with these uh, dating apps that are out there and, and th- this whole dating thing, uh, as I date myself, no pun intended, um, is like well before my time or well after my dating, I hung up my dating, uh, um, stuff a long time ago. Um, so I never did any of the, the wait, hold on. I was waiting for you to get specific about your dating materials. Right. No, it was, it was a long time ago um, before this whole internet thing. Before you put up your buggy whips and (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Mabel connect me with, yeah. Um, right. And so, uh, but with one of the things that they have now is that you can, instead of you wasting your time trying to meet the, uh, the, uh, partner of your dreams, mm-hmm. um, why not just, uh, outsource that to a closer? Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Tell me more. So this is like a Cyrano de Bergerac kind of a scene. Yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, so basically, um, you know, you sign up for say like Tinder and then, um, you give your Tinder password to, um, uh, some, uh, uh, this service. And I guess they, for every phone number they get, they only get like a dollar 75. So I don't know where they're, wh- you know, what, what, where they're doing this. Um, but then it's handed off to a closer, uh, which is, a, a quote unquote virtual dating assistant, which is a real human being. Uh, but they come up with, um, th- there are two types of people. There's, there are the profile writers that will make really, uh, exciting profiles for people and then there are the closers, which will be the humans that respond to the people that the, that you're uh, you know swiping on, expressing attraction to, and and the closer will strike up the conversation uh, to lead it to um, uh, uh, an in-person date, 
and that's that's their reason for being. And so when when I was reading the article, I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And I can imagine it being, um, you know, like you can get like a really cheap closer, right? That could be this like the poor poor uh, uh, writing skills and all that. But these people actually go through training, and they they go through like uh, uh, some synthetic profiles where they have to approach people and they, they like role play it and with some fake matches and they would go back and forth in a Google doc, uh, to like come up with replies and craft their replies and everything. So it seems like you're really getting your money's worth with this uh, service. Huh? Well, yeah, that does sound like good value for money. Um, uh, is it, I'm saying this naively, is it that hard to do this work that you need to go hire somebody else to do it? Or is it, or is it, uh, like I'm looking for the love of my life, but I really can't devote any time to that. <laughs> so, yeah, so well, when you're a busy something. executive, jet setting and everything, and it's like, you know, the same way that you have somebody pick up your dry cleaning or whatever, you could have somebody, uh, uh, you know, get a hot date for you, I guess. Yeah, but, well, yeah, I guess. Uh, uh, all right. Why I waste guess. your time? <laughs> it's time a, is money. <laughs> yeah, this is the yeah, this is the uh, kind of the the comically. Uh, comically exaggerated four-hour work week kind of a solution, right? right. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's depressing. That's actually just really depressing. Yep. And then again, imagine what what happens if you get two closers trying to close each other. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's it. Okay. So first of all, that seems uh, sad for the person that would hire the service, and then humiliating for the person on the other end of that service. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and so how did you two meet? And it's like, well, I actually, I had the service. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. At what point do you come clean? Like, yes. right. Yeah. I'm, I'm Lenny, my closer. Um, right. Yeah. No, that's yep. nope. No, thank you. Um, all right. Uh, well, I guess again, this could be solved by some kind of authentication protocol, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah that'd be nice. Um, and, uh, so, uh, so actually the theme to this show seems to be like provenance, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and so, um, uh, the, the next, the next and last item we've got is, uh, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to describe this in a way, uh, appropriate for a podcast, but okay. Somebody realized that, uh, stack exchange, right? So very, very popular website for, uh, programmers to trade, uh, tips, tricks, hints, uh, and solutions to, to common problems. Mm-hmm. Um, it is well known, <clears throat> it is well known that, uh, if I am developing something and not that I have ever done this, although I might have, uh, if you find a solution to the problem that you have, you copy the code out of stack exchange and paste it into your program. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that's how a lot of people do their work and no shame in that. That's mm-hmm. just people helping each other out. That's all great. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what this guy figured out was that he can use a feature of Unicode uh, which is, uh, uh, folks that don't know, it's a way of representing the characters that you see on your screen. And there is a way of telling Unicode that a character exists, but it has a zero width, which means mm-hmm. that it is not visible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in this way, you can hide uh, content in the copy-paste, uh, in the in the code that you've copied and, and pasted into your program. Um, this... Uh, this has a couple consequences, uh, but the reason why you would do this is to fingerprint uh, the code that you've written and posted on Stack Exchange, so that mm-hmm. if you are going around GitHub later and you can search for 
this code, which includes the zero-width characters. And even though the programmer never saw that information in the code that they pasted, um, it would still be uh, it'd still be discoverable. Um, and so in this way, mm-hmm. you could figure out who was using the code that you posted to Stack Exchange. Um, mm-hmm. So seems useful, also seems real ripe for abuse. <laughs> yeah. So does that, when that goes into, like I, I go to Stack Exchange, I can imagine it rendering the HTML uh, mm-hmm. So I can't see it, um, you know, to the to the naked eye. But then you go and paste it into like Notepad or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Does it expand all the zero width stuff, or is it baked in there and you still can't see it? Uh, my understanding is it obviously depends on the tools you're using, but I believe uh, it is. Uh, I believe it is still not visible um, as long as mm. the as long as the tool is rendering the uh, the Unicode properly, quote unquote properly. Um, wow. Yeah. So creepy. Um, and so there's a, there is of course a tool to let this happen. Uh, I believe it's called space script. Um, and, uh, anyway, it, uh, again, uh, yet another technical innovation, uh, or application that undermines your trust in the tools that you're using. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cre- it's creepy to think that, um, uh, it, it's creepy to think that somebody could be inserting something into your code, uh, without you realizing it and without it being kind of immediately obvious. Um, it kind of undermines the whole idea of like source control and review and, and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So the suggestion on the uh, the website is for Stack Overflow to to change their representation so that they kind of sanitize zero-width characters and the zero-width characters don't, uh, they just take those out. Because um, wow. there's, there's no like legit reason to be presenting a zero-width character, right? right. Um, at least not in the context of Stack Overflow. But yeah, Uh wow. So can't even trust that. Well, and I can imagine too, it's the fingerprinting is, uh, it's one thing to do the fr- fingerprinting, but you could a- actually insert code, I guess, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. That's right. That's right. That's bad. Um, so uh, if you want to refer to this later, we ref- uh, it's apparently referred to as a homographic attack. Hmm. Okay. So that's fun. So sleep well, knowing that uh, code running in production right now uh, was subject to the <laughs> was subject to the <laughs> was subject to this vulnerability, um, and uh, some snide commenter on the Stack Overflow thread on this topic uh, said, uh, "I vote we revert to Evidetic." <laughs> <That's> like... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's what we need. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right. Yeah. Well, Remember the good old days when when ASCII was only was two hundred fifty six, or was it? Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it was 256, wasn't it? Yeah, it was well 128 and then extended ASCII, right? Yeah. It was 256, yeah. right? You added all those yeah. uh, fun blocks and, and other characters. Mm-hmm. Back on the Commodore, those were the days. Oh, yeah. Those are the yep. days. Yep. yep. All right. Well, uh, hopefully we've successfully undermined everyone's trust in, uh, in everyday common tools that they're using. Yes. So sleep well, everybody. <laughs> and Dave, if folks want uh, links to... You know the Intelligent Squared podcast. Uh, they want to see these these two goofballs in spacesuits. Um, what what website should they go visit? They need to go to dgshow.org. So D's and Dave, G's and Gunner Show dot org. Nice. Uh, all right, Dave. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Yep. Thanks. Bye.